You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Hey, is, uh, is Ryan finally gone? I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I'm 80% sure he's always hiding somewhere. Also, he wanted me to point out to you that in the last episode, uh, you said coop when you were trying to say coo. So say that with me real quick. Coo. Coo. We aren't buying a Venezuelan chicken here. You know, you two have some nerve ganging up on me like this. And, you know, for the record, I still can't, I can't believe that you're still talking to him. What do you, what do you mean? Are, are you serious? After the stunt that he pulled at the end of our last episode? I mean, the stone's on that guy. I'm Ryan Burgett, and I deserve to be here. What the hell? Where did he even come from, Cam? I, Ryan, you're not even connected with us via this chat. What are you doing here? I told you he's probably lurking around here somewhere. I mean, the dude is everywhere. Ryan, you better get out of here. We're, we're recording, alright? This is serious. We're trying to work. Go stuff a socking, you juggling, loving madman. What does that mean? Don't worry about it. He'll know. I still deserve to be here. Oh, for the love of God. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. Phil and I will be your guides as we peer into the ridiculous reality of our society and our government. Let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Make Liberty Great Again. Just two guys, and we're having a good time. I'm your host, Cam Harless, and with me, as always, is my emotionally unstable and insecure co-host, Phil Padilla. Not Padilla. Padilla. Keep antagonizing me, Cam. See what happens. Are you threatening me? Well, no. I mean, to be honest, we're on opposite sides of the country, and I could... I'd never lift a finger against you. I just had to stick up for myself. You know, you, you can't just let people cyberbully you, you hairy piece of shit. But you, you just bullied me. Yeah, and you should have stood up for yourself, shouldn't you? Lesson huh. learned. You're welcome. You're something else. Moving on. What do you have for us today? Ah, uh, foreign policy. Ugh. Boring. Can we stop talking about this for maybe just one episode? I mean, once they stop killing people for just living in a different location, sure, yeah, yeah, we can we can stop talking about it. So never then. Okay. You're getting smarter. You just bullied me. Yep. What do you want to talk about first? The topics we've hit several times already or something new for us? Let's talk North Korea. I know how much you like talking about it, so I'll let you just take it away. I mean, we can, we can talk about Best Korea. Um, as always, they're in the news. Apparently this week, the U.S. decided to get a little physical with them when it comes to sanctions. That's not surprising. So tell me, what's our government doing to hurt the hostages over there this time? Uh, well, to give you the headline version, the, uh, the U.S. seized North Korea's second largest bulk carrier ship. Why'd they do that? Uh, oh, they did it because of I mean, something truly dangerous. I mean, according to the, the Department of Justice, Best Koreans were shipping and selling coal in violation of the U.N. sanctions. <gasps> oh, no. <laughs> Can I just say that uh, the best Koreans are actually the roof Koreans who, you know, back in the day protected their stores with rifles from the rooftops of their stores? I mean, you can say that, but I like this joke, so I'm going to I'm going to keep doing it. OK, that's fair. We'll just we'll move on. Screw screw everything I just said. <laughs> it's all about you. <laughs> One of my favorite things about the story is that the boat that they took is named Wise Honest. Certainly, there's a better translation of that in English. <laughs> Maybe it's something like 
best Korean water vessel. Well, best Korean water vessel was also used to import heavy machinery to North Korea, helping expand North Korea's capabilities in continuing the cycle of sanctions evasion. Korea Songi, which is reportedly a subsidiary of a company controlled by the North Korean military, is additionally charged with breaking American law by using three different U.S. banks to help pay for the ship's upkeep to the tune of $750,000. In the grand scheme of things, that doesn't seem like a whole lot of money. Did they get caught selling coal like in some backwater alley? Or I, I'm not really getting it here. Backwater alley would have actually been a better name for the boat. Indonesian authorities detained the ship en route to American Samoa after receiving a photograph that appeared to show the vessel being loaded with coal. The captain was charged with improper documentation, a violation of Indonesian maritime law, and was convicted. The U.S. seized the ship under warrant in July, but it's only now being towed to American Samoa, according to the Justice Department. All right, so I'm just going to go on a limb here and say that that probably didn't make Kim Jong-dong very happy. It didn't. Is Kim Jong-dong that guy from The Hangover? No, no, that's Ken Jong, I think is how you say that. I mean, he is Korean, though, so I award you half a point, and thank you for trying. Good enough. Here's a fun fact. The Department of Justice has asked a federal judge to give ownership over to the U.S. through civil forfeiture. Uh-huh. You know, as if, you know, we needed another reason to hate civil forfeiture, am I right? But from what I've read, uh, this has never been done before. It's unprecedented. But because the U- they used um, U.S. banks, like you mentioned, apparently the U.S. is entitled to the best Korean backwater alley. Best Korea has recently fired some long-range rocket launchers and short-range missiles. However, officials from the Justice Department insist the decision to seize the boat is unrelated. Hmm. But South Korea, or if we're going to keep playing this game, second best Korea. Or first worst Korea. Or, that's... I like that. That's good. I like where your head's at. But don't ever interrupt me again or I'll kill you. (laughs) They chimed in and said that the tests are, quote, worrisome and unhelpful and likely a protest against Trump refusing to ease economic sanctions on Best Korea. And our government is still posturing like we're all ready to come to the table and work things out. Yeah, to some degree, but check out these words from the Defense Secretary Patrick Shanahan. We're going to stick to our diplomacy. And as you all know, we haven't changed our operations or our posture, and we'll continue to generate the readiness we need in case diplomacy fails. Again here, with the thinly veiled threats, you know, no wonder these talks, they're just, they're just not going anywhere. So they tested small missiles aimed at their own coast, and we're supposed to be outraged, but we can bomb whoever and whatever we want, seize whatever we want, lie, 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 and, and lie some more, and, and that's okay. Correct. And the reason is America. Speaking of bombs, guess what? What? The Trump administration is deploying a carrier strike group and uh, bombers to the Middle East due to troubling, quote, indications and warnings from Iran. According to John Bolton, this is what's called a show of force to warn Iran that we will retaliate with unrelenting force to any attack. What attack are we expecting? That's a good question, buddy. According to, you know, a U.S. official, this order is supposed to deter what we're perceiving as potential preparations by Iran and their proxies that could indicate possible attacks on U.S. forces in the region. But the official who'd only comment on the condition of anonymity said that the U.S. isn't expecting an imminent attack. So figure that one out. To ensure that I'm understanding, we're sending military units to the Middle East... To deter an attack we are expecting, but also not expecting? Precisely. You nailed that one. Good job. 
But this is just, it's John Bolton doing John Bolton things. I mean, what do we expect at this point? He hasn't even cited any specific activities or anything that may have raised these concerns. But I guess Iran has stated it would block the Strait of Hormuz if they were barred from using it. And according to this article, about a fifth of the oil consumed globally passes through the Strait. So I think that's a big hint in what our motivations are. Uh, and, and, you know, this is this is pure speculation. But I wonder if that's the real driving force here. I mean, we want the Strait, and that won't make Iran happy. So we're preparing to back up the power grab with our military. You know, that wouldn't surprise me in the least. I, I think that's probably, at this point in the game, a pretty good bet. You know, Washington's already stated that they'd stop waivers for countries who are buying Iranian oil, which would, you know, be a blatant attempt to reduce their oil exports to uh, zero. This is also coming after a recent declaration that the Revolutionary Guard Corps is a terrorist organization. So it's just U.S. provocation after U.S. provocation, it seems. Just, you know, one after the other. Boom, boom, boom. I hope the inevitable blowback from this is minor. And I say minor, and I know that's horrible, but, you know, it's just... I'm just sure that there's going to be some sort of retaliation because the last 16 years have shown us that the Middle East does not respond well to the U.S. pushing them around. Agreed. And even more recent news, that a Patrick Shanahan guy approved a new deployment of Patriot missiles to the Middle East. This is, of course, a response to what we see as a growing threat from Iran. Right. The threat that we're expecting but not expecting and also have no real information about. That'd be the one. Uh, fun fact, the Patriot missile defense system is made by Raytheon and was designed to intercept incoming missiles. And apparently the U.S. has effectively ordered countries worldwide to stop buying Iranian oil or face U.S. sanctions. Wow. So we got more saber rattling going on with Best Korea. Our failed coup in Venezuela, which is absolutely humiliating and just complete bullcorn. And now we're posturing for what seems to be like a hot war with Iran. I mean, holy crap. Is, is there anybody right now, buddy, that we're not trying to pick a fight with? I mean, isn't this the exact opposite position from what we were told by then-candidate Trump? I mean, well, yes and no, since he could never quite make up his mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, campaign promises aren't going to hold up against people like John Bolton and the and the deep state. That's true. And uh, But speaking of the deep state, do you know what the deep state loves more than war? Whistleblowers. Close. Try the opposite. Whistlesuckers? Oh, f- <laughs> Are you serious with that? You just, you took my IQ and you dropped it to a dangerously low level. Like, boomer level low. And I, I hope you're proud of that. Well, maybe at this point it'll finally match your testosterone level. Okay, Gimli. All I was trying to say is that they hate whistleblowers. Is that alright? Is that okay? Oh, yeah. Thank you. Let's move on. Chelsea Manning has been freed after spending 62 days in jail for refusing to testify before a grand jury in a case involving WikiLeaks and Julian Assange. Not many people are willing to give up their lives and freedom to protect the rights of private citizens. Absolute hero. It's good news that Manning was able to get out after the grand jury's term expired, so that's something. And you said good news, so what's the bad news? Well, the state wastes no time, as I'm sure we're familiar with, you know, by now and our listeners are familiar with. The U.S. Attorney's Office has already subpoenaed Manning in the Eastern District of Virginia to appear before a new grand jury panel. If our listeners don't know the specifics, Manning, a former military intelligence analyst, has acknowledged leaking hundreds of thousands of military and state department documents to WikiLeaks in 2010. 
From battlefield reports to U.S. Embassy cables, releasing this information led to court-martial proceedings against Manning and have further led to criminal charges against Julian Assange. And unfortunately, Manning is due to return to federal court here in four days on May 16th. Wow, that's uh, six whole days out of jail. And you know, despite an offer of immunity, Manning has refused to answer questions about WikiLeaks, claiming that there is no additional information to share. Uh, and just hours after the Ecuadorians sold out Assange and kidnapped him, uh, or let the British kidnap him, rather, the U.S. unsealed an indictment against him. That indictment states, quote, In March 2010, Assange engaged in a conspiracy with Chelsea Manning, a former intelligence analyst in the U.S. Army, to assist Manning in cracking a password stored on the U.S. Department of Defense computers connected to a U.S. government network used for classified documents and communications. Manning was an intelligence analyst, right? So why would Manning need help from an outside you know, third party in cracking a code to information that they most likely already had access to? That doesn't make sense to me. Very little makes sense anymore. Yeah, that's just, I mean, that's just where we're at right now, but... Last month, U.S. District Judge Claude Hilton ruled Manning should stay in jail until Manning either testifies or a grand jury no longer gives a sh**. Don't you remember uh, about two years ago when Manning was let out of prison by Obama? 35 years down to seven. You know, I can't imagine getting that kind of a pardon from the president of the United States to just then have to come back and be jailed for <laughs> not incriminating someone else in a criminal investigation. Whatever happened to protecting and respecting those who wish to protect us from the state? The founding of the state. I mean, you're not wrong. You know, I, I would just like to point out that on every post, you know, on social media or article shared that you see about Manning, the word traitor is thrown around like it's a cool thing to do and that the leaks directly led to death of Americans. We're going to be including an article from The Guardian in our show notes that was published way back in 2013. The article basically summed up, it states that the U.S. counterintelligence official who led the Pentagon's review into the leaks told the Manning sentencing hearing that, quote, no instances were ever found of any individual killed by enemy forces as a result of having been named in the releases. Also, this guy named Brigadier General Robert Carr also told a court at Fort Meade, Maryland, that there were no specific examples of anyone who had lost his or her life following the publications. Cam and I, we just felt that this was important to point out because it's a huge criticism of not just Manning, but WikiLeaks as well. So next time you hear that bullcorn still hate that or see something online you now have the information to counter that truth hating propaganda shoot him what oh you don't know well our troll in chief is at it again and he is absolutely just blowing the left's mind uh well but just to make this clear who who are we shooting well undocumented immigrants who else uh, he said that no not at all who said it one of his supporters at a rally come on give me some context tell me Tell me what's going on. Okay, that's fair. Let me, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's elaborate, shall we? So Trump was at one of his rallies in, I'll let you guess the state. Florida. Fantastic. I don't even know how you guessed that. You're amazing. <laughs> but Trump was uh, talking about how to deal with undocumented immigrants. He asked a rhetorical question, which was, how do you stop these people from crossing the border? And then a guy in the audience shouted, shoot them. Yep. That joke's pretty blue, but that's how it that's how it was intended, right? Like it's, it was a joke. The joke was blue? Well, hold on. Let me let me Google that real quick, because now I feel out of the loop. Okay, blue joke defined. Okay. Yes, okay, so yes, that's definitely how it seems. <laughs> 
Trump didn't go, you know, full Vlad the Impaler and bring out a stake for this guy. He made a joke back to the supporter, you know, saying, quote, that's only in the panhandle can you get away with that stuff. Only in the panhandle. So he was joking back with the guy, poking a little bit of fun at Florida, and they're just not having it. (laughs) I mean, but has there been a lot of blowback and autistic screeching since then? Real talk, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I'm not really too interested in what the walnuts out there think, but I can tell you with 100% certainty that they definitely had a Twitter temper tantrum. I'm sure. The world has gotten crazy. What's next? I mean, I, I have a story coming up, but that's about the weakest segue that I've ever heard from you. Well, to be honest with you, I didn't have a good transition to the next story. <sighs> Speaking of transitions... That's more like it. Your home state is overhauling sex education in public schools. Well, that's gross. And that doesn't sound good at all. So, all right, so tell me, what are the middle schoolers out there going to be learning now? Well, over in California, there's going to be more state-sponsored rhetoric about safe sex, alcohol abuse, LGBT, LBGT, BLT issues. But what's really disturbing is that it appears this curriculum also applies to kindergartners. What the F? Yep. Why? Why kindergartners? Um, indoctrination, of course. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. But why the hell is it the state's duty to indoctrinate other people's children with their rhetoric and ideas? Why in the absolute hell are five-year-olds even having a conversation about sex education, gender expression, LGBT issues, and the list goes on and on? They're five. What, what gives? Well, that's because the Prussian model of public education is supposed to churn out mindless drones who obey the state at all costs. Beep boop. That's true. You've got me there. I can't argue with that. I just, you know, I, I can't wait to have kids. Not only because I want them, you know, yeah. but I also want to have the satisfaction of not sending them to public school. I can't, I can't wait for that day to come to where it's like, nope, you're not going. This uh, this new framework advises teachers that kindergartners can identify as transgender, and they offer tips about how to talk to them. But the goal is not to cause confusion about the gender of the child. So, <laughs> with that being said, explain to me how having this absurd conversation with, an, with a five-year-old isn't going to cause confusion. I mean, five-year-olds, all they know is boys have penis, girls have a vagina. <laughs> all this stuff... This, I mean, their brain's going to just can't handle it. I'm sure you'll love this. Uh, there's been a lot of pushback on the books it recommends that students read. One book is called SEX, the all-you-need-to-know sexuality guide to get you through your teens and 20s. The book is said to contain depictions of anal sex, bondage, and other sexual depictions. Gross, first of all. But only in California could something so degenerate be taught in public school. Uh, none of this should be taught to children. The state should have zero authority over the minds of our children. And I'm using ours, you know, collectively because I don't have kids yet, you know, or what they're taught. I think Ryan thinks we share children. So, I mean, let's be clear. Well, yeah. I mean, I like enough of your your Instagram and Facebook photos. So they're basically my kids, too. Agree to disagree. Anyway, (laughs) I I believe, you know, call me old fashioned, but I believe that that responsibility of these type of matters, you know, that falls on the parents and the parents alone. Your kids are growing up, Cam. Um, so I, I'd like to pick your brain, get your thoughts on this. Do you plan on sending them to public school or are you, you know, you more interested in looking at different alternatives, you know, alternative options, excuse me. I'll be honest. I'd rather be strapped down to a table and have my nipples tweaked with sandpaper. I didn't need to know that. That was, that was me saying, no, I don't, I don't want those. I don't want, leave, no sandpaper, please. 
I can't actually imagine sending my kids to prison every day to learn how to hate everything that I love and hold dear, all while having to say a prayer to the holy pole quilt every day. You make a good point. Touche. And I, I really don't know how this wouldn't confuse a kid. If we're talking about the sky is blue or poo-poo smells bad, these are objective facts. That's what a five-year-old's going to understand. That's what they can process at, let me, let me say it again, five. They're five. That's not confusing. But telling a little boy without any set identity yet that his penis is more or less meaningless and that he can be a girl if he wants, that doesn't make sense. You know, that doesn't make sense to me or to any sane adult, I would think. I mean, it sets kids up for confusion and a much higher chance of suicide in the future. Who wants to do that to a kid? People with agendas. Our new, our next topic, Cam. Are you sure you want to talk about this one? I really don't want to, but I think we have to. That's the spirit. Let's do this. So, your home state now, Georgia, the governor, Brian Kemp, signed a heartbeat bill banning most abortions. So, once an unborn baby has a heartbeat, it will no longer be legal to kill it. But there are a few exceptions. Previous, you know, to the signing of the bill, abortion in Georgia was legal on request within the first 12 weeks of pregnancy. So between 12 and 22 weeks, abortions could be performed on medical grounds under conditions established by the Ministry of Health, Labor, and Social Affairs. So it was 12 weeks for abortion on demand, but that will essentially be cut in half. Is the cutoff actually the heartbeat? It is. If there's a detectable fetal heartbeat, they can no longer abort the baby. Well, how did they define abortion? I can already hear all of the arguments against this in my head. Luckily, I'm prepared for your question because you read the bill and highlighted it, the important parts for me. So, <laughs> the bill defines abortion as such. Abortion means the act of using, prescribing, or administering any instrument, substance, device, or other means with the purpose to terminate a pregnancy with knowledge that the termination will, with reasonable likelihood, cause the death of an unborn child. Provided, however, that any such act shall not be considered an abortion if the act is performed with the purpose of removing a dead unborn child caused by spontaneous abortion or removing an ectopic pregnancy. Besides, you know, obviously what you just said, a DNC after miscarriage or an ectopic pregnancy, uh, what are the exceptions? Well, one is health of the mother. It says that abortion is permissible if there is a medical emergency. And they define that as a condition in which an abortion is necessary in order to prevent the death of the pregnant woman or the substantial and irreversible physical impairment of a major bodily function of the pregnant woman. It also says, and here's where it gets weird, no such greater risk shall be deemed to exist if it is based on a diagnosis or claim of a mental or emotional condition of the pregnant woman or that the pregnant woman will purposefully engage in conduct which she intends to result in her death or in a substantial and irreversible physical impairment of a major bodily function. I'll be honest. I don't speak lawyer and the no such greater risk shall be deemed to exist throws me a bit. Sounds like just legalese. Um, it seems to me that they're saying that if a pregnant woman who has mental health issues that could lead to self-harm or suicide due to the pregnancy, that that is an exception that can be utilized. But knowing that political turds write bills so that they can screw with the wording to their advantage later, I feel like it could also mean the exact opposite. Yeah, it does seem a bit murky and, and confusing and definitely written by, you know, someone who speaks legalese, maybe even a lawyer. But, you know, trying to look at it the other way, it's not making sense to me. But again, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm just trying to talk it out and say, you know, if a pregnant woman is intent on hurting herself, it, she's, you know, barred from an abortion, you know, I don't really know. 
Um, it also gives an exception to a pregnancy that is determined to be quote unquote medically futile, meaning that in a reasonable medical judgment, if a baby is found to have a congenital or a chromosomal anomaly that will lead to death post birth, the baby could be aborted. One thing that the pro-choice propaganda machine pumps out are different reasons for abortion that they think that everyone should agree with. So I'll name one of the reasons that they think abortion should remain legal, and you tell me if they make an exception for it. Rape. They make an exception for it if the woman has a police report showing that she reported the rape. Incest. The same. Do you think that that could lead to more false reports of rape? Well, cynically speaking, you know, if a woman wants an abortion bad enough, I'm sure she's going to find a way. Just considering, you know, I looked up some statistics and there's about, there's nearly, you know, a million abortions performed each year. So some women out there sure do love them. So a spike in sexual assault reporting or anything related that would lead them to be legally allowed to get an abortion, at least in Georgia, it wouldn't surprise me. It also wouldn't surprise me if women traveled to another state to have an abortion, which is an easy workaround. I'm sure that's that's way more likely than going through the hassle of filing a false police report. Is there an exception for financial hardship? No exception for that, bro, Montana. But they allow for child support for any baby with a detectable heartbeat. Okay. Uh, what if the woman wants to go to college? No abortion for you. <laughs> uh, let's say that there is an abortion and the baby is born alive. Do they make provisions for that baby? They do. Well, that's nice. Yeah, right? You know, it's nice caring for helpless infants when they need it the most. I mean, imagine that. There's also some talk here that talks about what sort of doctor and facility is allowed to perform the abortions. Also, a woman who has an abortion will have to make those health records available to the district attorney if the laws are found to be broken. It also protects doctors, nurses, and pharmacists when an unborn baby dies in in their care by accident. And it protects the mother if she has an abortion and thought that she reasonably believed that an abortion was the only way to prevent a medical emergency. So let's say that a woman has an abortion and finds out later that there was a detectable heartbeat and that this new law was violated. Does she have any recourse? She does, as a matter of fact. The bill says that, quote, Any woman upon whom an abortion is performed in violation of this code section may recover in a civil action from the person who engaged in such violation all damages available to her under Georgia law for any torts. Well, I mean, I did read the bill. So, I mean, it it does seem like a pretty intelligently written bill, if I'm being honest. I mean, it looks like they took all of the, not justifications, um, well, I mean, I guess that works, but all of the arguments. Rationalizations? Yeah, that pro-choicers use for keeping abortion legal throughout pregnancy and made sure all of those things were covered. Mm -hmm. I mean, it seems like... The state of Georgia, I mean, it kind of looks like they are actually looking at these kids as human beings. It certainly does. How do I know this? What made me come to this conclusion? The last bit of the bill mentions one of our least favorite things, taxation. They are actually recognizing these babies as having some form of tax status. They're looking to tax the babies? Well, not immediately. But they've made it so that a baby with a detectable heartbeat can now be claimed on your taxes as a dependent. Well, all right then. I mean, I wish they'd done that last year. I could have gotten a little extra cash before my youngest was born. There's always a tax plan. So let me ask you, do you feel like this is a good step for Georgia or just complete statist overreach? 
Well, my honest opinion, I think protecting children is extremely important. I think it's a good first step. It takes all the pro-choice arguments and rationalizations, addresses their validity, while still protecting the child and the mother. I think that it's about time in this country that we try to come together to value and protect life. Far too often, especially on social media, do we see that abortion, you know, bombing people overseas, cop shooting unarmed people are being hailed as, you know, heroic acts. And I think that needs to stop. We have to, you know, start valuing life again. That that starts with, you know, I, I believe abortion. Well, I mean, I think that if we can count on anything, in the end, the, the state's going to mess it up in some sense. And probably do a really horrible job. Probably, but I do. I do think that I don't know. It's it, it is nice to see that someone cares, but the state's always really bad about that. So that's true. Let's just hope for good things. But like you said, I mean, we went through the bill. I mean, it's it's pretty smart. It's pretty savvy. It takes all of the reasonable objections that pro-choicers have and really addresses them. And I think if people actually read it, would put their concerns at ease. You know, well, what if I was raped? Well, if you have documentation showing that you reported it, you can have an abortion. No one wants a little hate baby running around. We understand that. So I don't think that the pro-choicers have a whole lot of ground to stand on objecting to this. But I'm sure they will. They're already calling for abstinence, ironically enough. So (laughs) we'll see what happens. All right. So moving on from that, how do you feel about guns in the hands of public school teachers? Well, again, I'll, I'll go with my gut and I'll say that an armed society... It's a polite society. Uh, Well, Florida teachers can legally keep firearms in the classroom so long as their school district approves. Uh, This is under a law newly passed by Governor Rick DeSantis that was inspired by the shooting deaths of 17 people at a Parkland school last year. If I had to send my kids, well, I'm sorry, my imaginary kids to one of these hell holes, I would definitely want the peace of mind that there was someone there that could make it so that they aren't killed, that could step in when the time comes to stand between them and, you know, the person who would do them harm and protect them. I'm not one to think that teachers, of all people, are the best people to have guns, but the law actually makes it so that teachers must pass a psychiatric evaluation and undergo 144 hours of police training in order to carry a weapon, which police training plus gun plus unarmed kids. I don't know if this is a good thing. I wonder how many dogs they have to shoot to pass their (laughs) test. All jokes aside, I don't think that's too terrible of an idea. Going through all that pistol marksmanship and training, you know, it does take time to get not only comfortable with the weapon that you're firing and familiar with it, but you want to be putting those rounds in the black every time that you're shooting it, you know, especially under stressful conditions. You know, like I said, I don't think it's too bad of an idea. And at least they're going to, you know, they're not just popping guns in their hands saying, hey, go out there and, and, you know, be the shield for our kids. They're going to go through some sort of training and evaluation and the right people are going to be out there protecting kids. So that's I think that's a step in the right direction. Well, guess what NPR had to add to this conversation? Probably something stupid and like not at all related to this bill. Uh, They put out a piece that said that more guns in cars means more stolen guns. They mentioned this new law in that piece. If the teachers are carrying guns, why the hell would they have them in their car? Why wouldn't they put them in their little, their teacher bag or briefcase (laughs) or, you know, have a concealed carry holster, you know, inside the, inside the waistband, you know, holster. That doesn't even make sense. But, you know, at least they're taking the important aspects of the law into consideration. So, you know, hooray. (laughs) Well, since we're talking about school shootings, uh, there was one last week in Highlands Ranch, Colorado. 
Luckily, there was only one fatality in that attempted mass shooting, and that one tragic death was a heroic one. Kendrick Castile jumped at the shooters, which allowed his classmates time to hide under their desks or to get out of the room. Eight were injured, but that 18-year-old kid was a hero, and he deserves to be praised for that. I agree. That's some serious warrior spirit right there for, you know, a teenager. I was listening to a new show the other day and actually found out something that is also um, something we should applaud from the other kids that went to the school. There was a vigil uh, for Kendrick, rightfully so, absolutely deserved it and the others that were injured after the shooting. And there were some high-profile politicians and gun activists, as they always come out of the woodworks to, you know, these leeches that come out, you know, for any opportunity they can get. They went to the vigil. But here's the twist. When they got up to speak and started speaking about gun control and immediately began to politicize the death of their friend and classmates and injury of their classmates, they walked out. They walked out of the vigil. They were like, nope. Not for me, buddy. And But the the best part is some even came back to heckle the speakers who were, you know, weaponizing Kendrick's death. Uh, good for them. I mean, it's good to know there's some kids out there with a head on their shoulders. So do you remember last week when we talked about Dylan Roof and how he was the first person to get the death penalty from the feds for hate crimes? I remember. Soon, he may not be alone. John Ernest, the 19-year-old nursing student that shot up a synagogue in San Diego was just charged with 109 counts of federal hate crimes and civil rights violations. Holy crap, that's a lot of charges. No joke. He faces one count for each of the people in the synagogue at the time of the shooting, including 12 children. I mean, the guy can burn in hell. Duh. But we said that this would become more of a common thing, and it's already looking like we were right. I mean, I don't always like being right. I'm, I'm honestly really tired of hearing about shootings. Me too. But, you know, here's something interesting and hopeful. Denver, Colorado, I'm sure you're familiar with the city, is officially the first city in the U.S. to decriminalize mushrooms after, you know, a recent vote. How close was the vote? Super close, actually. So check this out. The yeses had it by, they had 50.56% and the noes were 49.46, or excuse me, 49.44%. That is pull out your calculator close, but I'll take it. Me too. You know, it's about time we start taking measures to decriminalize this stuff and stop throwing people in jail for nonviolent offenses. I mean, this will help considering, you know, it's going to end criminal penalties for those who are over 21 years of age and are in possession of, uh, if I say this correctly, psilocybin. That's correct. Um, But isn't it still considered illegal under state and federal law? Yes, but fluff them. Nullification, baby. Nullification. This was a big push by a group called Decriminalize Denver. They cite a wide range of medical benefits, which include reducing depression and anxiety, treating alcohol, tobacco, and opioid addiction, and alleviating some symptoms of PTSD. That's a pretty big deal. I mean, that sounds awesome. Um, I wonder why they didn't consider this sooner. Because the DEA had other plans. They have it listed as a Schedule One substance with no accepted medical application. As they say, state is going to state. I just love that the rest of the country hasn't gotten around to decriminalizing marijuana yet, and Denver is asking all of us to hold its beer. Uh, I bet Adam <laughs> Kokesh is already packing a U-Haul. I wonder if he has a special bag for that shotgun. But speaking of guns, you know just how much I like guns, right? Right. Uh, A man in Los Angeles was actually arrested for liking guns a little too much this week. It's hard for me to think that it's possible to like guns too much, but 
carry on. He had over a thousand of them. Well, if that's not goals, I don't know what is. Someone tipped the police off that this guy might have illegal guns or that he was selling them illegally. So they rolled up to his house near Bel Air and took them all. I mean, you should see the pictures. I'm actually looking at them now. Oh, that's so many guns. <laughs> well, cops are always finding ways to steal guns from people. They hit the dang jackpot this time. They sure did. All right, bromosexual. We're going to switch things up a bit this week, okay? I know we've fallen in love with weird headlines and stories, you know, throughout the week. But we just went through literally a metric ton of news stories. And I kind of want to, you know, end things a little fun playing a game. Hey, that's fair. Uh, what game are we playing? I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to read you LGBTQ123 percent sign dollar sign terms from the Human Rights Campaign website. And then you have to guess what they mean. So I have to guess what a bunch of made up, made up terms mean. Correct. That hardly seems fair. Well, get over it. Because it's coming at you. <laughs> now... You know, as we've done in the past with these terms games, I'm going to start you off with a couple of easy ones. You know, just kind of dip your toes in the pool, and then we're going to get weird. So, first term, ally. Well, that would be... I'll answer it. I'll answer it for real. I won't make a joke. Um, those were the people in the in World War Two. No, I'm just kidding. That was a joke. Um, <laughs> the, no, those are the people that, uh, that are friends with gays and stand up for gays. And is calling them gays not pc can you call them gays or is that like calling black people blacks i don't know i think the verdict's probably still out on that one i just you know what in this day and age it's probably safe to assume that it's probably not pc but when okay, when's that so stopped us before i guess <laughs> so an ally would be someone who is a friend of a gay queer lesbian transgender etc person who stands up and fights for their rights that's pretty good you you pretty much nailed it the the textbook definition is a person who is not LGBTQ, but shows support for LGBTQ people and promotes equality in a variety of ways. Cool. So good job. <laughs> All right. We're going to start off with another one here. Just going right down the list. Okay. This term. Please define androgynous. Erogenous? androgynous geez androgynous oh that's like a a an essentially genderless type person someone who you you look at and you're like is that a dude or a chick and you can't tell well it's identifying and or presenting as neither distinguishably masculine nor feminine so yeah pretty much okay <laughs> all right one more well, like like will smith's son yeah yeah great example all right one more softball that you're gonna knock out of the park ready bye Phobia. That would be someone who who doesn't believe that bisexuality exists. You're either gay or you're straight. Well, it's prejudice, fear, or hatred directed towards bisexual people. So, well, I mean, I guess it's the more straight. I, I figured they put in some extra words. I, I guess I'm over-explaining the leftist position. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move right along here. I've actually never even heard of this term before, so we're going to have fun with this one. I want you to define... Gender expansive. That would be uh, gender expansive. Would be someone whose gender is so big that they can't explain what it is. Gender expansive is defined as conveys a wider, more flexible range of gender identity and/or expression than typically associated with the binary gender system. That sounds like a term that shouldn't exist. It sounds very confusing, but that's okay. I liked my answer better. Well, too too bad, buddy. 
Here's a good one. Also one that I'm unfamiliar with. Intersex. Oh, intersex is um, the other, another word that people used to use is hermaphrodite. It's someone who's born with a um, with genitals that are not that they'll either have both or it's not easily distinguishable. I think I think that nailed it right on the head. It says it's an umbrella term used to describe a wide range of natural bodily variations. In some cases, comma for dramatic effect, these traits are visible at birth. And in others, they are not apparent until puberty. Some chromosomal variations of this type may not be physically apparent at all. So I don't know what the hell that means, but I think you nailed it, buddy. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you a full I, point. I don't know why I know the things that I know. <laughs> okay, here's one. Are you ready? I'm ready. This term is questioning. I'll repeat it. Questioning. That would be someone who doesn't know which way their PP wants to go. Are you looking at the same thing I'm looking at? Did I mess up by telling you the website? Are you cheating? Are you cheating in front of our viewers? No, I've... (laughs) I'm not. I just... I I drink and I know things. Okay. All right, I'll let you get away with that reference. All right, so it is... Yeah, exactly like you said. It's a term used to describe a person... uh, Or, excuse me, people who are in the process of exploring their sexual orientation or gender identity. (laughs) I mean, my way was more eloquent, but okay. This is the last one I'm going to throw out, and it, it, you're gonna—I'm sure you're gonna nail it. But I just—I just like it. I think it's funny, and so I—I I want you to have a little bit of fun with it and enjoy it with me. This term is called living openly. Ugh. Um, Matt Bomer, um, Ellen Page, um, Clay Aiken, Ooh. um. Everyone but Richard Simmons. (laughs) So, living openly is a state in which LGBTQ people are comfortably out about their sexual orientation or gender identity, where and when it feels appropriate to them. So that last bit kind of seems like they just play with it a little bit. So maybe they're open when they (laughs) feel like it. Maybe they're not open when they don't feel like it. It seems seems a little open-ended, but... But anyway, that's our game, buddy. You you nailed it. You are a true ally of the forty-seven acronym, forty-seven letter acronym, you know, society out there. You are basically one of them. That's what Ryan thinks, but we can't we can't let him know the truth. Well, he probably already knows because he's lurking around here somewhere. He's always here. All right, folks. Thank you for having a bit of fun with us and joining us on this adventure into the madness that is our world. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at ThisIsMLGA. If you'd like to send us an email, you can reach us at ThisIsMLGA at gmail.com. As always, please hit us up, subscribe, and make sure to rate us on iTunes. It helps us grow and guarantees new episodes. Uh, were were there any podcasts that you've listened to this week that you think um, people should listen to? Yeah, actually, I um, I gave it a lot of thought, and I thought that people should listen to ours. I think you need to diversify. But I do want to do a special shout-out to my boy Jack Luna from Dark Topic. If you like true crime anything, you should head over to your podcatcher and type Dark Topic in. The dude's an incredible storyteller. Well, based on your recommendation, maybe I'll check it out. I mean, that is why I say quote the way I do now. Oh, well, that's original. <laughs> uh, don't forget to check out the MLGA Network. We're a small and scrappy group of libertarians that share the best liberty podcasts on MLGA Network.com. 
make sure to check that out. Uh, and we're going to have even more original shows coming your way soon. As always, we're happy to be here, and we're happy you're with us. Stay sane. I still deserve to be here. Okay.